Hey, how's it going? This is the Zach Peters Podcast. I am Zach, and I am so glad that you are listening or watching this. It's been a, a while since I've been able to do this, so it's my pleasure to, to get to speak and uh, encourage you guys today. I do hope that this, this message encourages you. I hope it inspires you. I hope it helps you grow closer in your relationship with God and hope that you connect with it or with me on some level today. We're talking about talent today, but not necessarily just ability. We're talking about the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30. And so we're going to learn something from this about how we use what we have been given and this has multiple layers in our lives. It has multiple applications in our life for our family, for our friends, for you personally, for your businesses, for where you work, and especially well, where you call um, your, your church home, your church family. Have you ever just looked at someone and just thought, man, if I had what they had, if I could do what they could do, if I had that kind of talent, that kind of money, that kind of ability, there would be no limit to what I could accomplish. Sometimes when I was growing up, and even sometimes still, I will look at people playing sports, in particular basketball, and I would think, you know, man, they're, they're tall, but they're not nearly as athletic as I am. They're not as explosive as I am. If I could just have their height, you know, I could dunk. I could do something with that. They're not even using what God has given them the right way. Uh, maybe for you, it's more musical ability. You work hard to do music, to, to even be able to do basic things, but some people, man, it seems like they were born with the ability to play anything, to sing anything. Uh, forget harmonies, you can't even sing the melody, but here they are playing guitar, um, playing the piano and singing like crazy good. And you're just like, what's going on? Where is this inequality coming from? Uh, we look at other people, we look at other families, we look at other individuals and we compare ourselves and we look at what they have materially and talent-wise and ability-wise, and we, we don't seem to compare. We don't match up with them. It's like they have been given more than us, and maybe it's true. Maybe God has allowed them to have more. Maybe it's random. Maybe it's not. I don't know, but maybe they do have more money than you. Maybe they are more talented than you. They can do more than you can uh, do, and that can be depressing. It can be depressing to realize that we are created equal, but sometimes it doesn't play out the way that we want it to. But let me challenge you to recognize that what you do have, even though it might not compare to what someone else has, is still a lot. It's still enough, especially if it's a gift from God. I don't know why others seem to have more. I, I, I can't answer that question um, philosophically or theologically in a way that that's going to make everyone happy. But what I do realize and what I can tell you for my own life and what you need to grasp for your life, it's not your job to worry about what others have. It's not your job to compare. It's not your job to take your gifts and stack them next to someone else's gifts. What I need to focus on in my life, what you need to focus on in your life, is doing something with what uh, God has given you, no matter how big or how small that gift might seem. And, and this parable in, in Matthew chapter 25 is talking about this very thing. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond with, with what we've been given? The responsibility that we have to, to use what we have been given in a responsible way, in faith, and in a way that is, that is healthy. Because in this scripture that I'm about to read, and it's pretty lengthy, we're going to see some people, we're going to see some differences uh, in, in some things. And I think we need to pay attention to what we see. 
Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And it goes on to say that the person who had five invested them and made five more. So he had 10. The person with two invested them, used them, and so that he had four. But the one who had one talent, the one who received the least, hid the money and didn't do anything with it. And the master comes back and he, he comes to the one who has five and the one who has two. And he looks at them and says, well, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And, and so then he gets to the one and the one comes and says, hey, you know, I know that you know you're a, you're a shrewd man. You 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 reap money where you don't sow money. Uh, you 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 do things in in a certain way, and so I was afraid, and so I just buried your money. But here it is. And the master looks at him and he rebukes him and says, "You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming, so that I should have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from, from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone he, uh, who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot in that scripture. I skipped over some. You can go back and read it for yourself. I just wanted to get to the basics of that. Basically, a master... Uh, gives money to three different people, three three types of money. That's what a talent is. And and they all do different things with that money. And there's a different response from them compared to one another. And, and that's what we're going to dig into. If this were a college presentation, if this was a college paper that was going to be graded, we would talk about context, the spiritual context, the historical context, the social context of, of this thing. That's not what this podcast is. But remember a couple of things here. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to Jewish people, the promised people, people who had a special relationship with God for a very long time. And yet, for some reason, they are missing what Jesus is saying. They're missing who Jesus is. And Jesus is telling this story to those Jewish people and his, his disciples. And uh, he's got a reason for saying this. He's trying to teach them something, trying to get them to understand something. Understanding those sort of questions and the answer to those questions will help ground us in what we're trying to say today. But when you read this parable for the first time or even for the 10th time, and then, you know, as we do sometimes, we just read scripture and we never stop to think about what it's actually saying. Maybe you're like me and you ask some questions about what's going on here. Why were there different amounts given? How, how much is a talent? Why did the last guy receive less? Uh, why did the first two receive different amounts? What's the difference between all of these people? Why do they respond different ways? Why does one guy seem to view the master completely different than the other two guys? And, and so as we answer these questions that I have, I think we will find lessons for our lives, lessons that Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he also wants us to know today. First of all, uh, to sort of start us off, a talent, a talent is not an ability. It's not something that you do. It was a unit of income. It was a unit of measurement. It was, it was, it was 20 years worth of income at $15 an hour. Specifically, um, that's what a talent is. So that's about $30,000 a year, and that's about $600,000 over 20 years. 
raise your hand wherever you are if you would take $600,000. Me, I would take that $600,000. It would change the landscape of my life. It would probably change the landscape of your life. So the last guy receives $600,000 or around that, which is a lot of money. The second guy receives $1,200,000, and the third guy receives $3 million. Yes, the first two receive more. The $600,000 is still a lot to be given. It was still enough to be used. And that little bit of knowledge completely changed my perspective on the scripture because at first, you might think of one talent as significantly less than, than five or two talents because you don't realize the scope of what a talent is. That was a lot of money. He could have bought flocks, not stocks, but flocks with that money. He could have purchased land. He could have put the money into a bank and earned interest. He, he, he could have uh, started a fishing company. He could have traded goods. Like it wasn't $3 million, but it was still enough to work with. It was still enough capital to really do some spectacular things. And so the problem in the scripture for this, this last guy is not the resources. Lack was not the problem. It was something deeper than lack. And so even, even in our own lives, a lot of times we like to make our problems about what we have or what we don't have. We, we want to blame the one thing for our issues, but how many times do we oversimplify a complex internal problem? A lot of times it's not our parents' fault for our failures. It's not where we grew up. It's, it's not the fault of our teachers. It's not the fault of one event in our life. Sometimes those things don't help. They, they definitely don't do us any favors. And sometimes we have no control. Get what if the problem is not the resources, not what we have or don't have, but what if the problem is simply something inside of us? What if our fear is, is us? What if our failure is our own laziness? What if our lack is based on a misunderstanding? Lack was not the problem in the story. Don't lose sight uh, of the value and the, of the tools that we have, even if those tools might not compare with what others have. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but, but maybe when we compare ourselves to others, we lose sight of our true value. This story is not about money. That's just a piece of, of this story. It's just a piece of the parable of what God is trying to get us to see. $600,000 was still a lot to be given, a lot to be used, a lot to be invested, and yet it was buried. Don't bury God's gifts that he has given you because you don't think those gifts compare to the gifts of others. Don't bury the gift because you think it's small. Don't bury the gift because you have a misunderstanding of what a talent is. It's a lot, a lot more than what you might realize. Don't bury the talent. You can't sing, you can't preach, you can't teach, you can't whatever. You don't have those talents, you don't have those abilities naturally, that's okay, because maybe you have an exceptional talent to love for and to give attention to people that are often ignored. Invest in that gift. Perhaps you're, you're good with kids and you're never going to write a book. You're never going to get famous for anything like that, but use the gift. And maybe 20 years from now, uh, the kids that you are pouring into, the kids that you are investing in will give you a return on that investment that is spectacular. When you use the gift, whatever the gift is, big or small, seen or unseen, something happens, it doubles. We'll get to that later. The first two workers are given more. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's intrinsically true of the story. The thing about get, being given something, though, something that you have to give back one day, is that you might want to take care of that thing in a very special way. 
you might want to use it the right way. Uh, someone let me uh, drive their truck one time just to do some small things. And, and let me tell you, I drove that truck so slow, slow even for me. And you can ask Tara, my wife, I'm a pretty slow, boring driver. But I just knew that that truck wasn't mine. It was borrowed and it put pressure on me. And so I, let me ask you this about the story. Who had more pressure? The one, the ones who were given millions or the one that was given 600,000? Who had more to mess up? Who had more to lose? Who had more uh, at stake there? This, the story started to make more sense to me. Maybe you were not ready for the gift the others were given. You couldn't handle the pressure that someone else has because of what they have been given. Maybe you have exactly the right amount for where you are right now in your life. At the beginning sort of of the story, we see the master knew the ability of his workers. He knows your ability. And so, yes, sometimes in life, People don't deserve the stuff that they have and the stuff that they get. And yes, sometimes the reverse of that is true. Some people work hard and are responsible and they are wise and they never get exactly what they deserve. But what we cannot see is the work and stress that comes with certain blessings. You don't see the hours of training every day of a professional athlete. You don't see the hours of toiling away in a garage or in a bedroom or in a closet of famous musicians. You don't know the pressure of owning a successful company or business and having other people's livelihood in your hands based on your decisions and your success. So maybe we are given exactly what we need for reasons that we can't comprehend or understand yet. God knows what we can handle. The master knows. He gave to each according to his ability. The first two workers were given more, but they also had more to lose. The guy with one talent seemed to be the most afraid out of these three. He had the least amount of talent, the least amount to lose, but he seemed to have the most amount of fear. And I think fear is tied to a misunderstanding. He didn't understand the master like the other two understood the master. What does he say? He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Not a great thing necessarily. Reaping where you do not sow, also not great. Gathering where you scatter no seed, again, not a positive thing. So I was afraid. He missed the point of the gift because he did not know the master. And so my question is, do you know the master or do you think you know him, but you're missing the point? What you believe about God will impact what, how you think, how you talk, how you act, and how you use what he has given you. If you think God is this, this mean and angry person waiting for you to mess up, then you will miss the point of his grace and his love, and you will have a fear of failing God, and so you will bury your gift. Yet what God wants is for you to succeed and use the gift. He wants to enable you to have the freedom to use who he has made you to be and who he has transformed you to be through the grace that, that is offered to us through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Um, maybe you're on the opposite side of the coin of misunderstanding. Maybe to you, God is your get-out-of-jail-free car. His love and grace enables you to do anything and be anything and say anything without, re without being rebuked or without feeling bad about it. And so you use your understanding of his love to justify your poor behavior, to justify the things that you do that your parents told you you shouldn't do, that other church people told you you shouldn't do. And so you've missed the point. The reality is uh, love 
which God has a ton of it. He has infinite amounts of love for us, but love does not always say yes to our desires. Sometimes love says no to our desires, yet if we miss the no in love, we miss the enabling power of that love to transform us into something we couldn't be on our own. Don't miss the transformation because your understanding of God is messed up. So misunderstanding is a two-sided coin. On the one side, the misunderstanding will make us uh, walk in fear and hide our gifts and misunderstand God in a way that, that traps us from growing. On the other side of the coin is taking God's grace and his love and using it to justify our poor behavior and, and lifestyles that don't fit with who God is. And when that happens, we miss the potential of transformation. We miss the power of transformation in God's grace and love. It's a two-sided coin, a misunderstanding. But when we know the master, when we talk to him, when we spend time with him, whenever we let him correct us, when we hold on to the no's and to the yeses, and we understand who he is and what he wants from us, we can use what we have and it will double. Wherever you are right now, as weird as it might be, I want you to say it doubles. It doubles. The first guy, even though he had the most to mess up, used what he had and it doubled. The second guy used what he had, it doubled. The last guy buried it and missed it because because I think you had a misunderstanding of the master. Don't have a misunderstanding of the master. Know who he is. Because he didn't understand the master, because he was afraid, maybe because he felt slighted for receiving less than the others, he didn't use the blessing. He didn't use the gift. It's okay that you have less right now. It's okay that you don't, you're not happy with where you are necessarily. But use the blessings that you do have. Use the gifts that you do have and double it and then double that and keep it going. God wants to use you. He wants to increase you, but you have to take action right now with what you do have. Being a good steward of the gifts that you do have. You have to invest your gifts in others. You have to invest your gifts uh, in, in other people, in, in stressful situations, in, in glorifying God and helping others and the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will take your investment, big or small, and double it. And that process doesn't have to end with a one-time thing. Keep investing what you have for God in other people. Do something with what he has given you. This message is not just for individuals. It's not just for us as we go throughout our daily lives. It's for the entire church. Because the church in America is incredibly, incredibly blessed. Even the smallest churches and less affluent churches sometimes still have more than uh, many churches around the world. And, and maybe the buildings, your building that you're in is dilapidated. Maybe the pews need a, a good restaining and refinishing. Maybe the music is struggling. Maybe the pastor uh, is still not coming to his own as a communicator. Um, may, maybe all of those things are true for your church and even worse. But I can guarantee, guarantee you this, in spite of those negatives, there are still some positives. There are still some gifts there's still some talents that God can use, that God has given in your church, in your family, that you can use to do something for God. They might not compare to what other churches have, but your church, big or small, struggling or not struggling, can still use what it does have to invest into the community that your church is in. Invest into families, invest into needs, invest into people. Small investments can still double, and you keep doing that, and eventually you have something rich and something powerful and something moving and something special where you are. 
Use what the Lord has given you, no matter your context, no matter your situation. Don't be afraid to take chances. Don't don't compare what you have to what other people have been given. Don't misunderstand the master. Use what God has given you.